I kind of feel like I need to, to first do something. I need to see if Pokemon came to church today. <laughs> to 1.30 in the morning in front of my house, my next door neighbor starts calling me, are you okay? And I said, why, what's up? I, I'm always up, so they knew that. And I said, why, what's, what's the matter? And they said, do you hear that screaming? Sure enough, out in the front yard was screaming, I mean blood-curdling screams that you would have thought we were about to be on CNN News, something bad is going on. I opened the door, my neighbor's coming out, we're both coming to the front yard. It's a car full of girls who found Pokemon in my driveway. <laughs> screaming. Back the car up, trying to line up the device, because apparently you gotta be lined up to catch him. So anyway, if y'all wanna know where he's at, He's in my driveway. <laughs> I just wish we could get that excited about things that matter. You know? If we could just get excited about something that matter. If we could get excited about each other to the degree we get excited about a little, little cartoon character standing in our front yard. So today, because it's summertime, I'm trying to keep it silly. Last week, you know, we had that magical Super Bowl, that wonderful thing that uh, the Lord just anointed to come back to me every time I bounced it. But, uh, but today I just want to talk to you a minute about uh, something that's kind of, we see it everywhere during the summertime. Uh, Nicholas, we enjoy it. And, and it's that whole bubble concept, that, that the fragileness of things. But the scripture reminds us in many places that we're to encourage one another, that we're to build each other up. And I'll be real honest with you, we're not very good at that. We are so much better at the three C's, criticize, condemn, and complain. That comes easy. It don't take a whole lot of effort. It takes a little bit of courage to encourage one another. So if we truly want to be devoted and empowered followers of Christ, if we, we've got to learn the power of kindness and encouragement. It's not a sign of weakness to encourage someone. It is a strength characteristic. I used to write all these things all the time for, for uh, ministry that I worked for, and I'd always write about the character and nature of Christ. The character and nature of Christ was loving, patience, kindness, long-suffering. He was, he was the one that would welcome you when no one would. He always found some way to encourage you right at your darkest, deepest moment. That's, that's the character and nature of Christ. So if we want to be more like Christ, we've got to learn the power of the positive attributes of being a believer, the power of encouragement, the power of kindness. And honestly, we can learn a few of those lessons from a really simple thing. From a bubble. Y'all bear with me now, right? Here we go. So, usually I use that lady that's looking at you like you're crazy, but for some reason he spoke to me today. I think he's the one. Uh, bubbles, there are no bubbles in the Bible. You're exactly right. There are absolutely no mention of bubbles in the Bible. But there are frail people. There are odd situations. There are uncomfortable moments. Because sometimes that bubble isn't necessarily that external thing as much as it is what we put around ourselves to either protect ourselves from getting hurt again or to protect others from our transparency of who we are, the things we're going through. Besides, you know, bubbles are fragile, they're colorful, they're temporary. What could we possibly learn from a bubble? Well, do you really know what it takes to make a bubble? What's it take to make a bubble? Now you knew I was coming with the box and I'm gonna show you some stuff and I'm fairly certain you don't know what it is. And Nicholas is gonna help me a little later, I think. But what does it take to make a bubble? You know, and, and, and y'all already double checked. 
this won't hurt the floor because I wouldn't have brought it in my house either. Because <laughs> every time I turned around last night, bubbles were going through the living room. I said, all right, Nicholas, can I have a little bit for the mom? All right. So what does it take to make a bubble? Air, right? Breath. But when you use that, it's, Jesus talks about the breath of life that he's, he's given us, the breath of life. Now, now that's, a, that's a big concept. But I'm talking just in, in this small little silly thing, which right now is very safe where it is. That breath, problem, malfunction. Edit that out. If this were TV, we'd start again. Here it is. All right, so we see, right? But really what, right? It's all in how fast, how hard, how intense. It's going to determine how well it works, right? But the point of it is, it's turbulence that creates the bubble. We think, oh, it's this peaceful little floating apparatus that goes wherever. But really, it's, I can't blow a bubble today. So this is not going to be the Super Bowl. You know, you're probably right. You're really good at this. It's all you, buddy. It's all you. All right, here. You probably need some more of that. I didn't put enough. Don't spill it on the floor if you don't mind too greatly. There you go. You might have to. That's it. There you go. Zero to hero. That's how it works. All right. So it's the turbulence that creates the bubble. It's not just air. It's the turbulence. It's those things that go on, those, those moments that happen that create that bubble, that determine what's in that bubble, actually. So let's just talk about just the science of things for a second. Bubbles are, are a great example of what's called a self-assembled system. It's a spherical shape, and it's a result of a balance between air pressure in all directions. A bubble will always assume the shape that takes the least amount of energy, which is a circle. You can blow it out of a star, it's a circle. Out of a square, it's a circle. Once it impacts the air around it, it will assume the shape that takes the least amount of energy to maintain. Even bubbles blown out of weird shaped wands end up circles. It takes the least amount of energy to be a circle. Now, bubbles attract and collect particulate. Well, that's a nice science talk for dirt, okay? The beautiful colors that appear in a bubble that make it appear individual is actually dirt. As the soap absorbs the dirt in the air, it begins to change colors. So those things that you think are making it beautiful are actually dirt. <clears throat> so when we're learning to do it, just like Nicholas is really good at it, he spent a lot of time figuring out that complexity of of how to blow, how to make the bubble happen, how to get a bunch of bubbles at once. He spent some time on that. He's figured out that if I do it like me, if you do it fast, it's not going to work. But if you're patient, you take your time, it does. But no matter what you do, there's still that moment of fragileness. You don't get too, too attached to the bubble because it's not going to be there long. Though outwardly beautiful and gentle in appearance, you've got to proceed with caution when you're around the bubbles. Because inside, the pressure is so intense that they're actually just little explosions waiting to happen. The least little impact is catastrophic. Let's stop for a second and think about ourselves and our bubbles. 
We have bubbles in all sorts of different areas of our lives, and, and the pressure in, in, in a bubble is the same on the inside and on the outside, and it maintains a bubble. But the minute the pressure changes even a slight degree, it's gone. It explodes. We, uh, we go to work, and the bubble fills. And then we come home, and the dogs tore up the couch. The bubble burst. Was it, was it the dog biting the couch that did it, or was it the intensity of the pressure building throughout the day? What comes out of that bubble? Have you ever seen that thing they, they do on TV sometimes, Discovery Channel, where they have somebody smoke a cigarette and then they'll blow it into a bubble and the bubble is full of smoke? It's a reminder that what's inside of that person is coming out and is contained in that bubble. So if you are just innocently going, hey, how you doing? And you're the one that pops it, you're getting the smoke. You're getting what's in it. Our bubbles are, are, are a bit fragile. Our relationships with one another are fragile. But aren't we a bit like a bubble? We, we're a touchy. We get irritated with one another real easily. Uh, people push our buttons. My grandmother used to always say it, and I guess it's come into my life, because now when things get really bad, you're like, you're getting on my last nerve. I got one nerve left, you're directly on it. I mean, we, we have those moments. Let's be realistic with each other. Being a believer and, and, and a Jesus follower doesn't mean that life is perfect. It doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't mean it's simple. It means we get on each other's nerves, par usual, but we should know how to handle it a little better. We should know how to react to it a little better. We should know how to absorb the explosions a little bit better. We should know how to control some of our own explosions a little better. Because one wrong word, one odd look, one ignored phone call, and we all do it, you're busy and you hit the button on the side of the phone and the person on the other end says, I know you gave me the button. <laughs> they don't really care what was going on or that maybe you were about to run the car in the ditch. All they know is my phone went, I know what you did. Caught. That's what my brother always says, caught. So here we go. You know, one, one forgotten text, one mean moment in a social media capacity, all of a sudden bubbles are bursting everywhere and we're looking to see whose else we're going to get. We're ready to go. But I don't think that we've been called to be bubble bursters. I don't think that our own lives are intended to, to live in the catastrophic state of the daily explosion. Because here's what ends up happening. Instead of the grace and mercy and love of Jesus in your life kind of coming through the moment of pinch where you get hurt or somebody says something that isn't quite right, we fake it. Yeah, well, we're good. We're fine. Meanwhile, that, that explosion, that internal combustion is going all over everywhere. It's affecting every decision that we make. We, we silently smile, but somewhere inside our heart is broken because somebody said something mean and hateful or somebody did something or somebody shouldn't have done something or could have done something. But our, our lives are far too fragile. The bubbles that we carry around, we try to maintain them, but it's a ridiculous exercise. The dirt or the sin filled surface tension of everyday life can leave us working overtime to keep the pressure on the inside and the pressure on the outside in control. On our daily, hourly, minute by minute basis sometimes, one wrong word can cause us to flesh out. Anybody familiar with what flesh out means? Every day on the way to work for 19 years, Psalm 89.1 cut me off at exactly the same place. And you remember thinking how comical it was that I'm on the, the way to work at a ministry 
getting cut off by somebody going to the military base, I believe, because every day it was the same place. I even would get in a different lane. I'd leave at a different time sometimes, and it never failed me. And it wasn't to avoid this person, but it seemed that it was a magnetic propulsion that somehow we were always in the same place, and she needed to get where I was every day. So 89-1 would cut me off every day. So there was that, that temptation to flesh out when you got four lanes of interstate, I'm one car, get behind me, go in front, I'm slowing down no matter what. It still had to be a let her through. And I, I laughed because 89-1 is, I was singing the steps fast love of the Lord forever. And I'm thinking she's going, hallelujah, and running me right off the road. And, and I'm trying on the backside of that not to flesh out and, and lose the Jesus moment that I'm trying to have in my own vehicle. But that flesh out moment, those, those explosions that we have, those, those temporary outbursts, it's the sin of everyday life. It's that absorption of stress and chaos. And then we don't necessarily know sometimes how to give all that to Jesus. How to be an encourager of one another. How to regroup quickly. Any of this? Is, am I the only one that's got a bubble issue? Am I the only one that, that on a daily basis has to maintain? Am I the only one that has to depend on my son to blow the bubble because I can't get it straight? No, it, it, that surface tension, I believe, is there for all of us. And sometimes that tension is broken by well-intentioned people. People who are trying to help, trying to say something. Sometimes when they say, oh, is that what you're going to wear today? And you're thinking to yourself, are you kidding me? Pow! They don't know what they've just ignited. And then they walk away wondering, what just happened? Holy moly. Now we've launched the cavalcade of apology and let me get it right. And I didn't mean to. I'm sorry. I'm having a bad day. Because you didn't realize that the surface tension and the inner tension were at such a great battle that all it took was that one moment. And you were about to be it. I've met different husbands and wives along the way, and you can tell how they kind of watch their surface tension. You can almost see them going, is this good? Are we okay? Because they want to be careful what they say because they popped that bubble before and seen the wrath of it last week. So they're careful. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if we're talking about encouragement today, if we're acknowledging that maybe we have a little bit of complexity of a bubble where there are some things in our lives that are just fragile, that are just places we don't want people to touch, things that we just really need Jesus to do for us, how many toothpicks do you walk around with every day? Do you even realize that they're there? Are they the commonplace things that you say? Do you not even realize that when you, when you are are poking at someone who is very, very fragile in their own way, in their own life? Do you even realize when you do it? If out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks, we need to be careful if we're called to be encouragers, which I believe we are, that we start to dampen this a little bit. Does that mean that we're not honest with one another? No, because honesty is important. It's an important part of correction. But I believe there is a compassion component that has to come with it that helps us to realize we may not know everything that's going on with everyone we meet. 99% positive that we do not know everything that's going on in their hearts and minds. That we don't know everything that's going on with their lives. And because of the uncertainty about what you do know, being kind and gentle and caring with one another, slowing your roll a little bit, helps to offset the abundance of your heart to speak the truths into their lives they need to survive. Sometimes we need that breath of fresh air. We need 
and encouragement. We, the encouragement is the act of giving hope or support that inspires confidence, that helps people to keep going. We need that opportunity to provide that to someone else, but we also need that in our own lives. We need people in our lives that inspire us to keep going when the day is hard, that inspire us to hang in there when we want to give up, that inspire us to care for one another when we've been hurt to the point we don't want to care anymore. We need people in our lives that redirect us to Christ when we're wondering what's going on and why is the world so hard. Somebody that says, hey, he didn't promise it would be easy, but he promised he'd be there with you. You need those people in your life. You need that voice in your life to encourage you. Encouragement has great power to strengthen. It helps to spur people on. It motivates. It regenerates. Encouragement has the capacity to empower and to enrich and to energize. Encouragement can edify and elevate. It causes others to excel and exceed their own limitations. When somebody looks at you and says, you can do it. There's an there's a Adam Sandler movie, I don't know what it is, but some character in there, you can do it, is all he ever says. And I love that guy, because no matter what's going on, you can do it. We need that person in our life. We, reality is hard. I don't need anyone to tell me, hey, the payments are going to be too high. You can't do this. You can't do that. You'll never make it. You'll never pay for it. You'll never do it. I'm going you know, to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to say, one of the moments in my life that was the most transformational in terms of realizing the power of an encouraging word is sitting right here. That decision for Nicholas and I to become a family was an amazing moment. I had more people tell me how hard it's going to be, how difficult, how this, how that. It's funny to me how parents of children want to warn you about being a parent of a child. But God said all things are possible. Okay. So, but there has to be that encouragement on the other side where you run into that one. Now keep in mind, you run, I want you to think about it to yourself. The person in your life that's an encourager. Can you find one? Because if I had to think of the people in my life who, who warned me about everything, I can make a long list. Oh, you shouldn't do that, you shouldn't do this, you probably shouldn't do that. Based on their experiences. But what if God's call on your life is different from their experience? Orville and Wilbur were told to sit on the bicycle, give it up. They said, no, that's okay, I'm going to find some place with greater wind. If you give up every time somebody tries to give you that powerful word of, well, I've been there, done that. They've been there, done that may not be the same experience you're going to have. So when I had all these people warning me about the difficulties and the challenges and what are you going to do and how are you going to do it and oh my goodness, oh my gosh, oh my gracious. It became God saying, hey, this is what you're to do. This is how this is going to work. Go and do it. So then what do you have to do when you're around negative people? What do you have to do when you're making big decisions and you're taking risks and you're doing what Jesus tells you to do? You're doing what somehow you just know in your heart you got to do. Where God guides, he provides. When those kind of things are going on, what do you have to do with the negative people? You love them, but you got to put some distance. That doesn't mean you say, I don't want nothing to do with you anymore. Z, snap, you're gone. Because now we have not been who Jesus wants us to be. 
but we can choose who we listen to. Just like you tune the radio, I can flip the radio station to some stations and it doesn't interest me at all. And when it's not what I want to hear, what do I do? Change the channel. So I'm going to encourage all of you guys today, time to change the channel. Time to listen to the voice of God in your own heart saying, this is the way, go ye in it. And those voices that are contrary to that, change the channel. You love them, but you realize they are not going in the same way. Because a lot of times people who are talking and want to tell you what to do, if you stop for a moment and say, where are you with Jesus today? I told you I was at a doctor's office a couple weeks ago, a physical therapist, and, and the physical therapist, we had a conversation about Jesus, and he goes, well, Jesus is just like, and he named off all the other gods he could think of, and they're all the same, they're all the same. That told me right there that, that any advice that he had for me along the way in terms of my heart condition, really, he was not equipped to discuss. But we can talk about muscles and all sorts of stuff, and I can talk to him about Jesus. I have no problem doing that. Everything he said, well, Mohammed, blah, 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 blah. And I said, well, Jesus is alive. I know where Muhammad's buried. I've been there. Still in there, I think. People still visit. The point of all that was helping him to understand we're not in the same place. So if you're trying to get me to, to, to go do something contrary to what I believe, that's not going to happen. I'm committed to what I believe. But his advice, his ability to speak into my life, to give me direction, was curtailed a bit. He may be very knowledgeable about ankles and wrists and necks and all that kind of stuff, but when it came to heart, matters of the heart, I knew that wasn't the conversation. That wasn't, that wasn't who I need to, to, oh, please speak more into my life. We've got to be better discerners. We've got to figure out how to not only put encouraging people in our lives who are encouraging us. Now, this is hard. Not to do what you want to do, but do what you should be doing. How many YouTube videos do you watch of a numbskull on the top of a cliff over three feet of water, and they're going, jump, jump, jump. He's got a whole crowd of people encouraging him to break both legs. You've got to have people who are willing to encourage you in the things of God, willing to encourage you to go the right way, willing to encourage you to say, look, I love you. I care about you very much. Don't do that. Or you're, I think this is fantastic. God's going to provide. I'm going to pray for you. And, and I really believe great things are going to happen. You can do all things. You need to quit sitting around wondering, waiting for your hero to show up. You have already got one in a loving Savior. Get on with it. Sometimes we need that. Either way, the power of encouragement. Encouragement empowers emotional healing and it restores hope. I can, be, I can think of several places in my life where my mom has been my encourager, where she says, everything's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. Don't you worry. And there was something powerful in that encouragement. Not only did I know that she knew my Lord and personal Savior, she introduced me, so I know she knows him. But... I knew there was a steadfastness in that encouragement that was not temporary. That she meant what she said. Encourage one another and build each other up. Do we know how to do that? Are we equipped to do it? Can we find a way to encourage each other? It's really not that difficult. We need fewer critics and more cheerleaders. Criticize, condemn, and complain are easy.
We need some people who can see over the head of the naysayer and shout for someone launching out into faith. Go for it. You can make it. You can do it. I'm proud of you. Everything's going to be okay. You'll be all right. You're not going to be alone. God is with you. How do you know? Because he's with me. God is faithful. How do you know? He's been faithful to me. God's going to hear your prayer. How do you know? Two or more agree, and I'm agreeing with you, so it's going to be done. There are, what did we say last week, more than 3,000 promises in the Bible, and not one of them's a lie. But having that in you allows you to encourage others, even when you don't feel like it, when your day is bad. We've all encountered those people who are, I call it like Eeyore. Oh, well, everything's horrible. And they're hard to be around, but you want to encourage them. And you say, it's okay, Eeyore, it's all right, everything's going to be all right. Well, how do you know? Well, it, trust me, it's, it's going to, well, I just don't. And there are people that are difficult to encourage. But if you're persistent and you're patient and you're kind, because what typically happens is the people that are hard to encourage, you say, hey, it's going to be all right. Everything's just, oh, everything went bad today. Well, tomorrow will be better. Well, I don't know. Last week was bad too. You just go, hey, trust me. And I walk away. I start walking. Because I know if they push you long enough, you're going to get to the point, what you already? All right. Got it. Everything's awful. Okay. Is that what you wanted to hear? Because they'll push you to the point that you flesh out. So have some wisdom. Have some wisdom in your encouragement. Everything's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. Well, I don't know. I'm praying. I'm, my God's a big God. Your God's a big God. Good things are happening. Start walking. Leave them with the fruit of what you said. Out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth spoke. Hope, peace, kindness, love, patience. Don't linger long enough with Eeyore to allow yourself to go right on down there with them. Because they'll drag you back down. They'll take you with them. But no, I don't think so. No, I don't know. And even the tone, you can hear it. You can even hear it in the tone. Everything's terrible. Lady at the grocery store yesterday. Hey, you doing all right? I'm all right. What time do you get off? Six o'clock. Well, it's 545, 15 minutes. 15 minutes. I'll count down with you. <laughs> I said, if it makes you feel any better, I don't like to be in the grocery store either. Sometimes you just got to help people lighten up a little bit. Lighten up. Solomon wrote, how delightful is a timely word. The only way you're going to have those timely words and those delightful words and those encouraging words is if you know the word. You've got to have that top ten in your repertoire. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Because if you start flipping to your head and what you're going to say next, and what am I going to say, there needs to be that natural moment that comes out. Something in you that says, it's going to be okay. Well, how do you know? Because Jesus loves you. Well, how do you know? John 3.16. You want to go deep? We'll go there. You want to stay light? He said, all things are possible. So I'm willing to put him to the test. How about you? Let's go. Well, let's go for all. And if it's all, then that includes you. Because you just became a thing because I'm praying for you. All things are possible. But you got to have it in your heart in order to speak it. Is there someone that you know that needs encouragement? We keep talking every week about how we can get involved. How are we going to minister to people? How are we going to help people? And more often than not, it becomes a, we immediately go to the financial. We say, well, how can I, I don't know if I can afford to do this. And I'm not sure if I have the money for that. And how can I bless this person? I'm going to tell you right now, a word in season is more valuable, that's in here, more valuable than gold. 
a word in season. When you're at that moment where you're about to give it all up, you're about to turn it all off, you're about to jump off of something, and somebody has a word in season that says, you're not alone. I'm here. I care. How can I help you? And again, we're not flipping into the financial. A lot of times we're just being an emotional support. We're allowing people to say, I see your transparency. I see you're having a problem. I'm not judging you for it. I'm loving you for it. I get it. Be willing and to be transparent in some of the things you've gone through in your life to say, you know, this was hard. This is hard. And I'm not in the cheap seats on this. Have you ever noticed that the people that come into your life have something similarly going on? All of a sudden you encounter someone and they say, well, I'm going through this and that and the other. And you're like, I, I encountered somebody that was talking about uh, they had a tumor and they weren't sure what it was. And so I told them, I'll have to tell you guys my story on my 12-pound tumor that I had. And so when I, you know, when I go, well, you know, I'm in a jar over at Riverside. And they go, what? Yeah, I had a tumor. It was 12 pounds. They put it in a jar. They put it in a jar. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm still standing here. No cancer, none of that stuff rocking on, but I'm, I was still, it's, it made you feel a little weird when you're laying in the hospital, and it's a teaching hospital, and you have the whole room fill up with interns, and they're all looking at you like, oh, is that the one? Yes, the one with the tumor, you know, so, so, and it has its moments, but God will bring people into your life that say, hey, here's an opportunity for you to share just that moment. This is not about me, but I'm going to share a moment with you. You know, you've got, you've got something going on, and I had this going on, and the prognosis was not good, but God took care of it all. God will bring people into your life when you share little smatterings of your story. We call them testimonies. But when you're just caring for someone, it's conversation. Testimony, you are setting out to say, listen to me. Conversation, you're saying, I'm listening to you. They're both equally as important, but one has, the, has your ears on. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, get up a baby. Wrong button. Watch. Okay. I discovered a new button, sorry. All right. Anyway, we'll use that again later. All right, so everyone is struggling with something. There's a Scottish theologian, William Barclay. He wrote, one of the highest of human duties is the duty of encouragement. It is easy to laugh at men's ideas. It's easy to pour cold water on their enthusiasm. It's easy to discourage others. The world is full of such discouragers, but we have a duty and a divine calling to encourage one another. Many a time, a pat on the back, which for him means a word of praise, appreciation, and thanks, has kept someone on their feet. A pat, a word of praise, appreciation, and thanks. It's simple. When you're talking to someone, you say, thank you. They hold the door, you say, thank you. You let them go first, oh, no problem. You may be the only one. I've told you this story before where I got into an elevator and I was at this giant ministry out in the Midwest. Get in the elevator. Ladies in there with the cleaning supplies in her little cart, right? She hops in and I get in the elevator and I can't stop talking anyway. You guys know that already. So Buddy and I have that in common. So I get in the elevator. Hey, how you doing? You doing okay today? Oh, you like pledge? Lemon scent drives me crazy. So we're having this stuff. And she looks at me and she starts to cry. And I thought... Well, I'm just teasing. I'm just, I'm just talking, teasing. 
And she said, do you know you're the only person that talked to me all day? We got to get out of that. If all it takes is a kind word to change this world, we got a bunch of world changers right here. And it starts at the, at the grocery store. It starts uh, in the line at Kroger. It starts at Walmart. It starts at the Living Museum. Nicholas, I've never been more proud of Nicholas. We were in the Living Museum. There's a guy in there. I'm going to embarrass you, but that's okay. There's a guy. You'll get used to that. There's a guy in the Living Museum, and he has something is wrong. He's an older man, but he's in a wheelchair. And he's just staring at the floor. And his daughter is pushing him along, and she's trying to get him to look at the fish or whatever. There wasn't a lot of people in the Living Museum this particular day. And Nicholas runs off, and I'm trying to figure out where he's going. And usually he's headed to, they have a weird turtle in there you can sit on and go in and under. So I thought, well, that's probably. So I go in there to find him. He's over there at the man in the wheelchair. And, and he talks to the lady behind him. He said, is, is it okay if I hear, overhear this? He says, is it okay if I talk to him? And she said, well, honey, and she's trying to explain that he can't really respond. Nicholas doesn't get that. So he reaches and he touches his hand and he gets un up under here so the guy can see him in his face and he says, hi. The turtle's cool, isn't it? And the guy raises his head and then he pats Nicholas on the hand. The girl behind the wheelchair starts sobbing. She said, that's the most I've seen him move in months. He wasn't just someone in a wheelchair. He wasn't scary. I'm very proud of him for that. I've tried to teach him. It's not, handicap's not scary. It's someone who needs you to care. It's someone the rest of the world looks at and says, what's wrong? And we need to look at it and say, what's right? But those are lessons that we need to take out there, that we need to teach our kids, that we need to be careful of, that we don't overlook. Because in that moment of praise, appreciation, and thanks, it wasn't a big deal. It, wasn't a, it didn't take money. It didn't even take a lot of time. It was five minutes. Hi. And it touched two people. And I'm going to go out on the limb and say three, because I've never forgotten it. And I genuinely hope four because he saw the power of a moment. <clears throat> Life is lived in the moments. The things you remember are the moments. But he's talking about when, when we have to do uh, uh, sermons at funerals, it's moments discussed. It's not typically, I don't have a long list of accolades. Well, they did this, they did that. They circled the moon and came back. No, it's, do you remember when he did? It's the silly moments, it's the funny moments, it's the inspiring moments. It's, those are the things you want to carry on in your heart. When I'm watching you guys wave these fan things, I'm taken right back to my grandmother's church in North Carolina. Because the Baptist, man, they know how to rock those things because it's hot in that church. But it reminds us, it's a good memory to me. It's a, I can flash immediately to the moment my grandmother and I are sitting in the church. We're on the right side, a whole family is there. In her purse was always a butterscotch, and they knew how to rock the fan. But those are the memories, the moments. I cannot tell you what the preacher was talking about, but I know that I felt like that was where I was supposed to be. I belonged right there. The hardness of the pew didn't bother me. The sweat in the church didn't bother me. It was where I was supposed to be. It was a moment. Paul wrote, outside trouble was on every hand. Within us, our hearts were full of dread and fear. Then God, who cheers those who are discouraged, refreshed us by the arrival of Titus. Not only was his presence a joy, but it was also the news that he brought that encouraged them. That's in 
Corinthians. Do you notice it said that they were crying out to God and then God sent someone to encourage them? Now God was, as they're crying out, God help us, help us, help us. God could have immediately said, okay. But he sent someone. Titus showed up. And Titus didn't show up and say, gloom, doom. Oh, what was that? Was it? Hee-haw, gloom, despair, and agony on <laughs> Deep, dark, oppressive, excessive misery. If there, you remember that song? I mean, how many of us grew up with hee-haw? Okay, I'm getting old here, but all right. And what was funny? BR549 was my grandmother's phone number. Okay. <laughs> if you looked at the, oh my God. All right, anyway, so. Uh, any, uh, but they sent Titus. He sent someone to encourage. He didn't show up and say, oh, I give it up, guys. <laughs> they out in Maria. Everything's horrible. What did the angel say when it went to the shepherds? I believe that set the stage of how we're supposed to handle Jesus in our lives. Went out to the shepherds in the field. You remember what the angel said? I bring tidings of great joy and good news. The story was already written. They already knew. God already knew what was to come. He knew how old he'd be. He knew what was going to happen. He knew the crucifixion was going to happen. He knew he was going to have to die in some way for our sins. He knew it. That was all. That, that plan was already there. But did the angel show up and say, Every good day, the baby's going to be born. And in about 32 years, bad things are going to happen. Please get it now. I bring tidings of great joy. Get moving. Good stuff's happening. I want to challenge you today. The resurrected Lord and Savior, we have been imparted that message of I bring you good news, great joy. Something good is coming. I, I've told you before, I grew up somewhere between Hilo and Oral Roberts where you'd hear something good is going to happen today. So Saturday night was gloom, despair. And on Sunday morning, something good is going to happen today. Any of you remember that? You hear that song constantly. That's the message that I believe we have been charged with. God wants us to have that same Titus effect in people's lives. If you have been an encouragement, any encouragement from being united with Christ, if you've, if you've received anything from being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship with the Spirit, any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having that same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ. There is the character and nature of Christ and the impartation of vision in Philippians to you go do the same. You can do the same. If you've been blessed, blessed. If you've been comforted, comfort. If you're here and you haven't been comforted by Jesus and you haven't been blessed and you can't think to yourself how that's happened, there's a deeper conversation that we need to have about the relationship with Jesus. About how you can get to know the comforter in a more, more substantial way so that you're equipped to encourage others. We are all called to ease the surface tension of life. We're called to encourage through Jesus with grace and mercy and kindness and even salvation. And you notice I put salvation at the end of that little list. 
Because if you go right to someone with the salvation message and they, haven't, you have, they have not experienced kindness, how will they know? How will they know? Sometimes that's, that's the way it works. It just You stumble right into a moment to share Jesus, and it's awesome. But more often than not, the people in my life that I've had that opportunity to share Jesus with, it's been because I've been kind when they didn't expect it. And you've been graceful when you should have been angry. When the bag breaks in the food line and all the stuff goes everywhere and you shouldn't be like pitching a fit and the eggs are broken on the floor, there's your witness moment right there and you're like, start over. It's all right. When you have compassion on the fact that it's impacting someone else, how do you react? Even when you don't feel like it, the only way to do that on a daily basis is to put Jesus between you and the tension. All right, Nicholas, you're going to have to help me. You know I'm failing in the bubble thing, right? So you come over here a second. You be the bubble blower, right? Since you do that really well. Yep, you knew you were going to be the bubble blower? All right. Yeah, I got it last night, but today I'm not doing the do. All right, you may want to put that down there so you can hold it and eat anyway. You're the bubble expert. Just in case experts, we got this handy. All right. So when I talk about Jesus, we have to, if, if Nicholas blow a bubble, and try to get one to go because I can't do it until you do it. Go ahead. You can do it. You can do it. Wait, oh, almost. One more time. I got cheap bubbles. See what, You get what you pay for. Oh, almost. One more time. You can do it, honey. You can do it. Shake it up in there. Shake it up in there. There you go. Now, now look. Maybe you're supposed to do this part. Here, dry your hands. Don't Yeah. There you go. Let's see. All right, y'all have patience with me? You're going to be kind, long-suffering, all that stuff? Don't yell at me yet. Give me a minute. Maybe it's too watery. I don't know. Nope. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Anybody a bubble expert in here? I think we worked it up into a lather is the problem. That's what it looks like. Huh? All right. Nope. Ah, we, you can do it. You know what? Go pour that out in the bathroom. And come back. Let's get rid of all those bubbles in there. And we'll start. I want to. What I want to talk to you about is one thing they realized when they were studying bubbles is that if flesh touches a bubble, it explodes immediately. So if your hand touches it, it explodes. So what I, we want to try to do today is I want to show you that if you can put something between you and the tension, and that something that you want to put between you and the tension is Jesus, and it talks every day. That you have to put on that the breastplate of righteousness and the helmet of salvation, right? You got to put it on. It's literal because your flesh. Every morning you wake up, you are you. Every morning, huh? That's perfect. Right? Pour some of that bubble stuff in there gently. Let's see if we can get this to work. And if we can't get it to work, you'll just have to trust me. Look it up on the internet. It can work. Right. Here, see if you can blow blow a bubble. Good job, son. There you go. Just take your time. It's all right. We're all being kind to one another. Oh, you almost got it. You got to try again. Blow it a little harder. Oh, is that it? All right, we'll stand over there. If it's the AC, there you go. All right, I'll get in the way. I'm sure I'm a good AC blocker. I'd love to be an AC blocker. Blow it a little harder. All right. Oh, man. See, we're, we're chanting. This is getting on my nerves now. Here we go. All right, we can do this. One more time. Give it a try. Now look, flesh on a bubble, it pops immediately, right? Now we talked about long-suffering, kindness, patience. 
All right, Nicholas, you're going to blow it again. I want you to blow it right in my hand, okay? Oop. All right, blow it again. Blow it again. Mom can't move that thing. Oop. Oh, you got to blow it right here instead of blowing it. Blow it right in my hand because we got to be gentle. It's all about gentle. We got to light this up here. Gentle, easy, easy. So, so something between me and the tension can sustain even the most fragile of people and things and ourselves and our hearts and our minds. But the minute we forget that, when we try to inject ourselves into it, Nicholas, touch it with your finger. Touch it. It's okay. Touch it. Touch it. Here, let me hand it to you. Me and Jesus are together, man. Here, you better take this. So I want to encourage you guys today. Don't, this is a silly little analogy, but it's the truth. If you put on the, the breastplate of righteousness, that means your heart is full of the love of God and you know that he loves you. Helmet of salvation that says, I know what I know and you're not talking me out of it. I'm not going to be stubborn with you, but I love Jesus and that's that, period, in the sentence. Don't need to discuss it anymore. But I specifically love the shoes because the shoes are an indication of travel and that you got to go places. And what are your shoes of in the scripture? Shoes of peace. You're not looking for turmoil. You're not looking for crisis, but it's going to find you. But it's how you handle it. That's going to change things. Thank you, Nicholas. You did an amazing job. Thank you, honey. That's good. It's soap. And believe me, that's a good thing. So if you put Jesus between you and the surface tension, his grace will be sufficient. His word is powerful. He'll equip you to have a word in season. You don't have to worry about what am I going to say. There'll be a quickening, and somehow you'll just know. Isaiah talks about the sovereign Lord has given us a well-instructed tongue to know the words to speak to the weary. He wakens me morning by morning. He wakens my ear to hear so that I can be one who is instructed. And what that means is when you find yourself in a situation, and you're just like, oh, Lord, I, I can feel it. It feels kind of like this when you know you're supposed to do something. Kind of your rabbit heartbeat starts to happen. And you're like, well, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to do it. It was like Nicholas and I were at the intersection, and uh, I had bought two bottles of water at the 7-Eleven because they're so expensive to buy one that that deal for two for astronomical seemed reasonable. So I had bought two bottles of water, and it was cold. And we pulled up to the intersection, and there was the homeless guy there that hangs around in front of Target. And uh, we had already given out our bags. And I thought, well, maybe that's it. That's why I bought two bottles of water. And so I put the window down, and I said, Nicholas had handed it out to him. And I'll never forget his reaction. And I said, hey, man, hey, hey, come here a second. He came over to the car, and Nicholas handed him the bottle of water. And he went, it's cold. It's cold. You can see that he almost wanted to cry because it was such a hot day. And it was a cold bottle of water. It was a simple moment. It was $1.72. But it impacted that guy. And it helped me to have a moment to say, Jesus, I'm listening. I'm listening. I'm listening. Anything else you need, me, need to say? I'm listening. I'm trying to work on that listening part. The deepest principle in human nature is a craving to be loved and encouraged and appreciated. Encouragement is powerful. It's completely free of charge and priceless to those who receive it. Decide today that you want to go out of your way to be an extravagant encourager. Adapt it as a part of your everyday life, just as Christ has encouraged you and given us hope. Let's follow his example 
and begin to be the light of the world that we're called to be, to shine that light to the people around us. It only takes a second to encourage someone. Remember this, a generous man will prosper, but he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. If you're here today and you're empty, I want to encourage you to find something positive in someone else and encourage them. You will feel something in your own heart spark. You'll feel that little moment, a jump of happiness. It becomes addictive after a while. I'm not talking fake it till you make it, but it becomes addictive after a while when you go, hey, it's good to see you today. Nice to see you. Hello, how you doing? Thank you. Those simple words, believe it or not, are encouragement because we live in a generation and in a society right now that does not speak. 67% of us don't know our neighbors. That's ridiculous. And that's just, Pocosin's unique because most of us know people when we go in the store, but around the country, people don't know their neighbors. They don't even speak when they go to the mailbox. We can do better. Let's pray. God, I ask in Jesus' name, Lord, I know you are the encourager. So God, I ask that right now, Father, that you would encourage us. That you would help us, Lord God, to know how to live in that joy that you want to provide us. How to notice and care. How to help us, Lord God, to really in our own hearts be resolved to the fact that, God, you love us so much that you've entrusted us with a vision to encourage others, that you want to continue to care for us so we care for others. You continue, Lord God, to lift us up so we can lift up others. God, we don't get to live in a vacuum. And I ask, Lord God, in Jesus' name right now today, that, Lord, you would, those whose hearts are heavy, you would lift them. Those whose hearts are sad, you would encourage them. Those, Lord God, who are questioning in their own minds, what am I here for? I pray, Lord God, in Jesus' name, you would reignite a vision in their heart for what you call them to do. I pray, God, for divine appointments, that you put people in our paths that we can encourage, and that, God, we would purposefully begin to be more extravagant encouragers. Lord, we love you and we need you more and more every day. And God, just like the sin on the bubble, we know we can come to you, Father, and say, please forgive us. And the surface is made new. Our heart is cleansed. And our connection with you, God, is established once again. It says your newness comes every morning. We are always connected to you. We do things every day that kind of mess things up. But God, you're willing to forgive us moment by moment, day by day. So Lord, help us to lay those things down. God, if there's anyone here today who's just uncertain, I pray, Lord, today would be the day they became certain. That this would be the day they can say, you know, Jesus became Lord of my life. He took over my heart and my mind. I gave him my life. I committed myself. And I said, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Make me new. Help me, God, to be who you've called me to be. And Lord, for the rest of us who've known you and who know you, I pray, God, you would help us to know your word, help it to be out of the abundance of our hearts that our mouths speak. Help us, Lord Jesus, to be empowered to encourage and to be energized, Father, by the fact that you love us so much that we can't help but share. God, we are grateful for all you've done for us. Be with us this week.